This is For the Neighborhoods and the Nations, a podcast of the Church of the United Brethren in Christ. My name is Brian Biedenbach, and I'm here with Bishop Todd Fetters. It's good to be with you again, Brian. And for this first season of the podcast, we're diving into a series of conversations focused on the eight core values that serve to define and unite United Brethren churches around the world. We're getting near the end of these conversations, and today we're diving into core value number six that states, we protect the family. Todd, I saw on Facebook recently that you had visited, your whole family was all together in one spot, which is kind of unique, in, at least in recent years, it sounds like. Very unique. Our older son, Jordan, lived in California for about four and a half years, so we only got to see him maybe once or twice a year. He's since moved to Indianapolis, which is, instead of it being one day and six hours, According to uh, <laughs> Apple Maps, it is now 90 minutes, and we couldn't be happier to have him closer, and then so he can come up on a weekend, and it was fun to have Lisa and Jordan and Quinn and, and Rochelle together at our house for a whole weekend. My family's not to that place yet. My daughter's leaving next year, so uh, maybe in a few years we'll get to the place where oh, we really miss you know, the family being all together, and we can't wait for it. But now's the right time. But Brian, you you guys are busy. We with are your busy. Family, we are busy. That is true. And you know, some of the conversation that we'll have today just rings true in my head about you know I don't want to give anything away, but you know, looking at your kids and what do they do? What do they like? What do they love to do? And how do we as a family come around that? Uh, so I'm excited about the conversation today because we are a busy family, but I love this this value of protecting the family yeah. because I, I value that fam- I value our family and I want to set our our children up for success in the world, meaning what does it look like to follow Jesus yeah. when you leave this home? Before we even get into this, I do want to offer up this one disclaimer. I'm not an expert on marriage. Lisa will attest to that. And I'm not an expert on family. My sons, Jordan and Quinn, will attest to that. (laughs) However, I am married. I have a family. I was in a family growing up, and that family came through a husband and a wife who were married. And and. To some extent, the pressure was even put on early on about (laughs) the kind of father I would be was going to inform my father how successful he was as a dad, because dad used to always say, I'll not know how successful I was as a a father until I see my grandchildren raised. Interesting. uh, So anyway, when we lost Pop last uh, Halloween, I think he went to heaven feeling somewhat satisfied. At Mm. least I hope he did. Yeah. There's something in that about disciples who make disciples who make disciples. You know, yep. parents who raise their kids to raise their kids yes. well. Yeah. It, well, uh, and really, it's a discipleship model. Right on. That's all it is. Yeah. And and what better place to make disciples is in your family. That's the first, that's the first arena yeah. uh, for us uh, to make disciples. Yeah. Well, I've got to be honest and say, I'm a little disheartened to hear you say I'm not an expert because I was really hoping <laughs> in this to get some counsel because Lord knows I'm not either. Yeah. But no, I, I think we've got a good episode lined up, a uh, good conversation ahead. So uh, let's jump into that. As we talk about protecting the family, one of the phrases that's inside of that core value says that God instituted the family as our main social unit. And it is within the family that children are to be created, nurtured, 
and trained. I uh, just want to toss it to you to elaborate on that. Well, I think uh, the the earliest parts of Genesis show us that God instituted the family through Adam and Eve, mm-hmm. male and a female, and out of them they were to be fruitful and multiply, and thus came their children. And uh, so we see at the very earliest moments of creation mm-hmm. a family, uh, uh, a marriage is established and a family is est- flows from that. And when you think about the Old Testament and even the New Testament, you understand that God is relating with his people, with creation, and then his people, Israel, and then the church as family. Yeah, uh, He is their father. The Spirit, uh, particularly when it comes to the New Testament, the Spirit inside of us is encouraging us to call uh, God Abba or Father. Uh, going back to the Old Testament, parents had an important role in the development of their children. Uh, I think of the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6, where, uh, Brian, this is, this is what it says regarding what what fathers were to be teaching their children mm. and uh, i'll just i'll just start these are all the commands the laws and regulations that the lord your god told me to teach you so you may obey them in the land and are about to enter and occupy and so you and your children and grandchildren there you have it again right yeah. you your children three generations might fear the lord your god as long as you live if you obey all his laws and commands you will enjoy a long life listen closely to everything i say be careful to obey then all will go well with you and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey just as the lord your god ancestors promised you then he goes on and says hero israel the lord your god is one there's there's a faith transference that's mm. going on here the lord your god is one don't mistake it <laughs> Don't mistake him as, you know, many. Right. He is one. And uh, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're away on a journey and when you're lying down and when you're getting up again. Tie them to your hands as a reminder. Wear them on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. There's a lot there that God is expecting from the family in both faith transference and training. Yeah. You know, I th- I think of training in the sense of, you know, my brain naturally goes to formalized sit down, open your Bible, let's study, let's that kind of training. And I know that's not exactly what it talks about, but the faith transference, man, I think of the the sweet moments I have in the car in the mornings, taking my kids to school. And sometimes the questions that come up and the conversations we have that are, you know, right now, right here, real life situations. And it's not what is what are the conversations that scripture triggers, but what do what are the conversations that are happening that point us to the scripture right. that we can pull that out? So the training and the transference there, I love that that distinction. But I want to move us on, right? So we talk about we see this model in the Old Testament. We start with Genesis and Adam and Eve and their mm-hmm. family, but it, it doesn't end with the Old Testament. It continues on through the New Testament. Paul writes about it in almost every letter. Right. Especially in Ephesians where he talks about the shape of the home. 
where husbands are to love their wives like Christ loved the church. That's mm. the caveat. That's the important part yeah. there. Wives are to submit to their husbands out of reverence for Christ. So they're they're alongside in a very supportive role, mm. uh, leading in a unique way. Children are to obey their parents, and parents, fathers in particular, are to train their children. And uh, the one phrase that I think kids really glom onto is the idea of fathers do not exasperate your children. <laughs> now, I want I want to say one thing about those four roles, and that they all find themselves in submission to the re- to, in their reverence for Christ. Yeah. So, whatever role I have, I am I am fulfilling it as. One who, like everybody else, we are we are mutually submission submitting to Jesus Christ. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a, good, a key to this. Absolutely, one hundred percent. When you all have the same, again, you talk about the address in mm-hmm. Christ when we're yeah. all there and we recognize that that's where we're going towards. Yeah, you know that I understand why you're doing this because it's out of your submission to Jesus. Yep, and I'm going to obey out of my submission to Jesus as well. Yep. Yep, that's a to me that's a sign of a healthy mature relationship. It's the sign of a healthy mature home as yeah. well. So, but yeah, this idea of of training that you mentioned a moment ago, uh that fathers aren't to exasperate their children, children are to obey their parents. There's this faith transference that's going on. Yeah. There's also this this faith formation. How does how does it look to live faithful to to Jesus as as who I am. And mm. I think when I think of training, I'm naturally taken to the proverb that says, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're older, they will not depart from it. Yeah. Right. So again, we all, uh, we possibly all know that it's a proverb. It's a general truism. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not a promise, but in this, a, a real important factor in training up a child in the way they should go is being a student of that child. That's good. Learning how they are fearfully and wonderfully made. What is their what are their fears? Hmm. What are their what are their natural skills and abilities and giftings? You know, one may be athletic, the other one may not. You know, one may be geared toward math, the other one may be geared toward literature, you know, Mm -hmm. study that, figure that out. Exasperation could be avoided by making sure you're, we're, we're training the child in the way they are built to go Yeah. versus, oh, I was a, I was a high school athlete stud. You're going to be too. Mm, I see a lot of that. (laughs) I'll bet you do in the world that you live in. Yeah, no, that's a good distinction because it's easy to look at this and go train up a child and think, train up a child in Mm -hmm. the way you think they should go. Mm -hmm. Like you set the path for them and not recognition. I think, again, as I'm thinking out loud here, as we say this, it goes back to my submission to Jesus is it's not the path that I want them to go. It's the path that he wants them to go. And so I need to recognize the way he fearfully and wonderfully made them, as you so um, eloquently put it, uh, to recognize that. So there's a responsibility, Mm -hmm. not just to raise the child well as a parent, but to but to understand them and yep. be a student of your own child. I think that adds a whole new dimension to that right. verse. And then you have to model. You have to model that. Oh, yeah. And that that becomes a, a challenging aspect as well because we're imperfect people. <laughs> right on. You know, 
thanks to Adam and Eve, the original couple, and their uh, and their sin, original sin. You know, we've inherited that. But thankfully, through Christ, we are a new creation. Yeah, and we're still working that out. Amen. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, absolutely. Yeah. So let's uh, let's define the family a little bit. Yeah. we've got this defined in our discipline, pretty spelled out pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's it's not one dimensional. Sure. I'll just lay out a few things. We recognize a family as a married couple, male husband, female wife, with or without children. A second definite part of the definition would be a single parent household in which a male or fam- female parent is charged with nurturing natural or adopted children. A third definition would be a, a widow or widower who is left without children at home. And a fourth one would be a single person who has chosen to live on his or her own as a separate household. So what we're saying there is that marriage isn't essential for one's wholeness. Mm. And I think we have the example of the Apostle Paul. Arguably, you have the example of Jesus, right. who was never married. But what we find is that we all of us find our wholeness in Jesus Christ. That's first and foremost. So the United Brethren is not alone in this definition of the family. We've got mm-hmm. strategic partnerships with, let's say, the National Association of Evangelicals, who yeah. has a similar definition. Can you share that with us? I can. And Brian, by the way, the NAE, National Association of Evangelicals, yep. it's interesting. One of our, We'll talk about this in one of our core values in a couple weeks, is we link with the larger church. Yeah. And um, because we're Protestant evangelicalism broadly and beautifully, I always appreciate the the voice, the wise and winsome voice that NAE brings to the table. And here's something that they say regarding marriage. Marriage, we view marriage as a lifetime covenantal relationship between one man and one woman and consider it normative biblical symbol of God's relationship with his people. We also celebrate the value of single men and women to the church family who often dedicate themselves to vocations that bless the church and the world. Churches should offer them special care and support as they carry out these ministries. Family life reveals to us something of the nature of God as human families mirror, however frailly or faintly, the relational love of the Trinity. I love that Mm. phrase, the relational love of of the Trinity. We are a reflection faintly, dimly, you know, shadowy of the uh, that that mutual loving relationship that you find within the Holy Trinity. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. And I think the, you know, the language that we see in scripture that we've already alluded to is, you know, that God the Father, God the Son that's there in the Trinity, mm-hmm. uh, but he calls us to treat each other in these ways, which I know we'll get to here in a few minutes. So we've we've looked at kind of the institution of the family from mm-hmm. the beginning, from creation, right? Through the Old Testament, through the New Testament, we've defined the family as a denomination in partnership with National Association of Evangelicals. Yep. But this, this core value is not just about defining the family, it's Correct. about protecting the family. Yep. So w- one of the phrases in here is that we realize we must constantly resist the forces attempting to undermine the strength and integrity of marriages and families. And so with that as the context, my question then is, what's the church's role then in protecting the family? Well, at one level, I think we all need to understand that for anything that God initiates, 
such as marriage, such as mm. family. There is typically a bullseye on it from the evil one for him to undermine, to distort, to pervert, to to destroy in whatever way he can. So we've we need to number one, we need to define it well, mm-hmm. and I think we have. Yeah, and then I think there's important stances that need to be taken that that do demonstrate that this is how we're going to resist that which corrodes or that which undermines the sanctity of marriage and family. And uh, as as a denomination over the years, we've taken some stands on that. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, we, we do prohibit cohabitation. Do not see that as a, as a strong foundation for a marriage mm. relationship. We recognize that that sexual relationships are within the context of marriage between a husband and a wife, a male and a female. We would uh, we would want uh, you know the eradication of pornography. Mm. If we could just snap our fingers, we would we would want that because we we find that it it works against human identity and dignity, but it also erodes at the relationship between a husband and wife, mm-hmm. and can even erode a, a family. Yeah, uh, in that regard, abuse of any kind, uh, we would want to snap our fingers and re- and 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 have that eradicated from. Uh, our society, uh, divorce, and then there's the sanctity of life, right? Whether it's the, whether it's abortion at the beginning or it's euthanasia at the, at, at whatever point the end is, you know, we feel and believe that these things undermine the, the importance of the family, the dignity of the individuals, the responsibility of giving care to one another as individuals. There's just so much the Lord has put into the fabric of a family that is a benefit to the society. Yeah. When it's when it's when it's functioning well and and in a healthy way and and for me in a way that honors God, the one who initiated it. Yeah. So protection is not just about prohibiting things and taking stances against things. It's also nurturing that family yeah. as well. So what are some ways that we can nurture the family, the healthy family unit, as you mentioned, in such a way that it does protect it. Nurture and protect. Uh, again, I'll just say it again. By defining the family well, which I believe we have, we, we give people an option to consider what what a healthy marriage, what a healthy family looks like. Yeah. You need to know the target, right? Yep. You need to know what you're shooting for. I agree. I think another thing where the church, we're talking about the church's role in protecting the family. I think where the church can strengthen marriages is important through modeling, through mentoring, through training. That could be, you know, I've pastored for 25 years that that involved retreats, mm-hmm. that involved premarital counseling, that involved connecting couples with each other, younger generation, older generation. Mm-hmm. To where a, a newly married couple can interact with with a couple who've been married for quite some time and and have years of, of experiences That's under a their novel belt. Idea, yeah. You know, I, I'm all for intergenerational <laughs> ministry because I I believe there is such high value. Again, we come back to faith transference and faith transformation right. or formation. So to me, those are those are important things that churches want to do. You know, I, I think even, you know, think in terms of a local church in strengthening marriages and families through their benevolence funds. Hmm. 
you know, is is there I know some churches that have this that they they invest so much in marriages that they have a fund set aside that if somebody were to need counseling or a family were to need to go into some kind of uh, therapy mm. they're able to come through and help them with a little bit of those costs because it's it's not it's not always ca- covered by insurance right. and in some ways it's it's not cheap yeah. and so these are some ways in which individuals can find help in in their journey toward toward health Another one is uh, I'll just say it this way: get them, get them to the altar. Uh, <laughs> what do you mean by that? I mean altar calls every Sunday. No, that's not what I mean. <laughs> though it might not hurt, right? <laughs> um, the only altar call, uh, the only time we give altar calls, does not have to be for salvation. Right? It can be for <laughs> sanctification there too. There you go, and and the help that we need. But no, I, I'm talking about parents who bring their children to the altar. For what I always referred to as a pastor is parental dedica- dedication and child consecration. Mm. Here is this child who is a gift from God, and the parents are bringing them. Uh, you know, in in the uh, in the vein of what you see in the New Testament with Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus to Simeon. Yeah, and there is the dedication, the consecration of this child. To the Lord, and we're dedicating parents to raise up their child in in the in the faith of of the Lord, and in the fashion of the Lord, and in the in the in the family of Christ. All of that, we then pledge ourselves to pray for this family. Mm-hmm. I, I used to put it on pretty heavy as a pastor that that we're not just watching these parents pledge themselves but we as a body are pledging ourselves to these parents to be Sunday school teachers who can be trustworthy yeah to be youth leaders who will be trustworthy and faithful to provide models and to provide examples that would not create embarrassment in any way, shape, or form. Uh, again, I, I put it on pretty heavy in that regard, I but I wise, think it's though. important yeah. for the body of believers to know that this isn't just a cute moment of parents and, and a baby who maybe cries when the pastor <laughs> does the prayer of blessing on them. That's always fun, but no, it's all of us together because we are the family of God, Yeah, and we have a responsibility to one another. Yeah. Uh, in that regard. Yeah. No, I love that. It's more than just a photo op, for sure. Yes. Uh, and y- you mentioned the the baby always crying. That's that's always the photo that gets taken anyway. So right? nobody. <laughs> yeah. And no, it's... I think it's I think it's good to recognize that this the family unit mm-hmm. is is bigger inside the family of the local congregation, right? right? And so we're we're in this together. So Brian, um, let me let me expand on that a little bit yeah. because there is one of our churches uh, down in Florida. I think it's uh, First UB Holly Hill. Yeah, uh, you and I have both been there before. Yeah, when the McEwens, right? We, yep. When we've seen a a part of their service, I think they they used to or still do every Sunday have the kids come up all ages, mm. and this is a nod to some Jewish practices. Where they're, they pull out this canopy yeah. over the kids, and there are four men holding posts, and they're praying yeah. over the children. It's something to praying see. Praying over the children each and every week, and I just think there is something special about that. You know, Praying for families, yes, but we're all part of the family of God, and we're praying for each other. Yeah. Love that part. Yeah. No, I. yeah, that's a... Uh... It's a sight to see and an experience to be a part of, yeah. to be part of that prayer 
for the the young people in their yep. congregation. So we talk about bringing them to the altar, the retreats and Sunday school classes and things like that. I, I, what about in the way we view one another yeah. in inside the church since we're on this topic of us being family in a larger congregation? Yeah, so we're, we're called to be relationally mature mm-hmm. in Christ. We see that through the great commandment that, he's, that Jesus laid out for us, summing up all the commands into <laughs> love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Hey, that's a nod back to the Shema. Right. And love your neighbor as yourself. So, so we've got this, this call to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbors ourselves, and And so love one another is the new command that he gave us. And then throughout Scripture, there's all these one anotherings. Mm-hmm. Serve one another, pray for one another, confess your sins to one another, forgive one another. The list goes on and on. I believe one of the ways we continue to protect the family from the church's perspective is teach these, teach the one another in light of the great commandment or in light of the Old Testament Shema. Teach individuals what these are. Because if we can live these out in our families, Mm. our churches will benefit from them as well. That's good. And another one, another way you talk about how we can view one another, I would say I've always found a blessing in the Apostle Paul's advice to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, where he exhorts Timothy on how he should view the different generations in his church. And he says to them, treat the older men with respect as you would your father. Treat the younger men as you would your brothers. Treat the older women as you would your mother and treat the younger women with purity as if they were your sister. There's a lot there. It's all family. <laughs> it's all family. Yeah. Now, I understand not all families treated their fathers well or their mothers well or their brothers well or their sisters well. And in many ways, they, they weren't deserving mm. of that or acted in ways that were far from deserving but this is, this is a passage that's calling us to aspire to a new level of relating. So, so look for those families who seem to know how to treat their fathers with respect, treat their mothers with respect, treat their brothers in a certain way that is healthy, and treat their sisters in a certain way that is healthy. Again, we're back to the, the church yeah. as a family of models and exemplars yeah. that we can that we can benefit from. So to me, uh, it, it, it just comes back to God sees his people as his children, and he's calling us to see one another as family. And then little nod to the, our name, United Brethren in Christ. And when we first started this, I shared, when I think of that, some people could look at brethren and think it's such an arcane, archaic term, but when I look at it, I see brothers and sisters, and I articulate it. It's a, it's a family. Yeah. It is a family. Yeah. I think that's a, a good place to wrap up this episode as we talk about what the family is, protecting the family, because next week we're going to get into the next core value of we esteem each other. Yeah. And I think there's even some... Mm. 
familial language and connotation in that as well. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. This one, as always, has that's, been a fun conversation. That's a good connection, Brian, and I, I'm looking forward to it as well. Thank you for what you're doing. Mm-hmm.